0: One of the most common questions asked to pastors today is this question, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? Two key words in that question that we're going to focus on this morning. It's what does God want me to do? What and do. What so, and do. So today we're going to speak to the what and the, and the do. And so the decisions that we make today determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. Would you say amen to that? The decisions you make today determine the stories that you tell tomorrow. Our decisions matter so much. In fact, you, you, who are you today? Who are you? If somebody was to come up to you and say, well, who are you? How would you respond? Would you say, well, I work at or I do this? Or I'm a, what would your response be? Because see, you're a result of the decisions that you've made in the past. So who will you become and what will you be able to accomplish in the future will be a direct result of the decisions that you make today. So let's be honest this morning. How many of you have a hard time making decisions? Can I just see your hands? Maybe sometimes you just go, ah, sometimes can't pull the trigger. Well, that's good. You're in the right church this morning. You came for the right series. Uh, How many of you have ever made a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion? Any of you ever lost your temper when you shouldn't have? Now, don't raise your hands for this one, but how many of you lost your temper on the way to church this morning? Don't raise your hand when you turned around and you yelled at the kids, shut up. Sit down, we're going to church, and you're going to like it. <laughs> a lot of times we'll, we'll end up making decisions that we regret. Maybe you regret dating someone. Maybe you regret a big purchase. Maybe you've been even one of those people that say, hey, watch this, and then you shortly regretted it. Or maybe before you met Jesus, you'd say something like this. Hey, hold my beer. (laughs) And we know what comes next, right? Maybe that was you and you regretted it. Some of you right now have to, you have some significant decisions to make. Maybe you're a senior in high school. You're graduating this year and you're you're thinking, man, what am I going to do? Where do I need to go? Uh, What do I need to major in? Do I even go to college? Do I go to trade school? Do I go get a job? There's a lot of decisions In front of some of you today, uh, maybe you're asking the question, should I stick with this person and hope they change or should I wait for someone else or should I take this new job offer that has some risk to it or should I stay with the one I have? Should we have a third kid or should we get a little snip snip? Just saying, There's, there's important decisions to be made. Should we buy a new car or should we run this one for another six months? Lots of decisions to be made, right? We need some divine direction. What's really interesting to me is this new millennial generation has a hard time making decisions. And, and they've done some research and they've done some studies and a lot of people have been frustrated with the millennial generation because they seem to be lazy, but it's that we're discovering that it's not so much that they're lazy. It's just that they're having a hard time making decisions. And so they, they started to ask the question, well, why is it so hard for millennials to make decisions today? And they've come to one conclusion and it's this, that there's too many options in front of them. You see, when I graduated high school back in the nineties, the early nineties, you had basically two choices, maybe three. If you could go to college, if you could afford it, or you could go to work and get a job, or you could go to the military. That was basically the three options you had leaving high school. And all the teachers pushed you to college. There was no other options. And if you did go get a job, you got to watch this, you had to start at the bottom and work your way up. Well, today it's different. You can there's some states that have what they call a super senior year where you graduate high school and you take another year to kind of figure out where you want to go. Then there's college online. Then some people can get their education paid for by traveling the world and serving in other countries. And then there's there's you can get famous on YouTube if that's what you're into. But there's a lot of options today. It's kind of like this when when my family and I go to the movies There's basically 10 shows to choose from, which of about only one we'll actually watch because it's the only one clean enough to watch as a family. And so it's pretty simple. We'll go to the movie theater and we'll pick a movie and we'll go in and we'll watch it and we'll have a great time. Now, we've got Netflix at home, right? How many of you have Netflix or Hulu, right? How frustrating is that? So this is how it plays out in my house. Well, hey, let's watch a movie tonight. And we'll all get into the living room and we'll get ready. And we're sitting in our chairs, anxiously waiting to watch a movie. And we'll pull up Netflix and there's a thousand selections. And 45 minutes later, we're frustrated, throwing the remote control into the sofa and everybody goes to bed mad. There's too many options. And so the millennial generation is having a hard time making decisions because there's too many options. It's almost like it's a Netflix generation. But we need some divine direction. So in the upcoming weeks, we're going to get very practical. And today we're just going to kind of lay the foundation for this series. So it's it's important that you're here this morning. Because when it comes to God's will, what does God care about the most? What does God care about the most? So number one, God cares about who before do. God cares about who before before do remember the question that's commonly asked is what does god want me to do what and do god cares about who before do first thessalonians 4 3 says this god's will is for you to be holy (laughs) god cares about who before do god's will for you is to be holy what does that mean it's not god's will that you be a carpenter or a secretary or a school teacher or even a stay home mom that's not his will for you his will for you is that you would be holy well that's great pastor what does holy mean does that mean i have to be perfect because i'm not gonna measure up no it does not mean perfect holy comes from the greek word agios which literally means to be set apart or different than something else So, God's will for us is to be set apart from this world with our moral standards, our character, our integrity. We get everything that we need from God and not from this world anymore. We rarely find fulfillment in the world. We find it through God and our relationship with Him. That's what it means to be holy. It means to be set apart, plucked out of the world, and put into God's family. I am made holy, I'm separate. God cares about the who before the do. He wants us to be holy. That's his will for our life is to be holy. If you're a Jesus follower, you're to become conformed or you're to be conformed to the image of Jesus. When you gave your life to Jesus, it was with the purpose of becoming like Jesus, not to stay like this world. And and let me just preach on this for a second. Too many people focus on the outward little things and they say, oh, well, the the church is becoming like the world. They got colored lights in the building. They've got fog machines. They play loud worship music. They wear skinny jeans. They're becoming like the world. Listen to me. It is so much bigger than those little bitty silly things. And some Denominations and some people focus on those things so much that they miss the whole heart of the matter. And that's that my heart needs to become like Jesus's heart. My eyes need to see like Jesus sees. My mouth needs to speak like Jesus speaks. That's true holiness. So that means you can wear skinny jeans, get the side of your hair cut down real short with a little bit on the top, flip it over the side and still be holy some of you are like, praise God, if that's what you're into. God cares about who before do. You know, there wasn't many times Jesus talked about people's careers. In fact, if he did mention somebody's career, it was usually you need to leave this job and you need to follow me. So who are you? How do you respond to that question? Who are you? It should be, I'm a follower of Jesus. Born again. My sins have been washed away. I've been adopted into God's family. That's who I am. Right? That's who. God cares about the who before the do. So the question people ask is, what does God want me to do? A better question is this, who does God want me to become? Who does he want me to become? The who comes before the do. How many of you would say it's probably God's will that I'm a pastor? How many of you would say that? Just raise your hand real quick. Okay, three of you. Thank you. you made me feel real good. <laughs> I just, I set you up. It's okay. I'm going to argue that this is God's secondary will for my life. Because. Who I am is more important than what I do. Are you seeing this? And I want to warn you that anytime you get busy about doing what you call to do, there's a temptation to forget who you are to take care of what you're supposed to do. And so you'll get busy about the do and you'll forget about who you are. How do you know, Pastor? Because I fell into that. God wanted me to start a business. I asked him. He said, yes, I started a business. The business started to grow. Before you know it, I was spending, it was like a love affair. I was spending more time with my mistress called the business than I was with my maker where I found my identity at. And I had to come back to that. He cares about the who before the do. His primary will is more about my character than it is about my job. pastors what I do but it's not who I am I could be a pastor and out of God's will right I mean I could preach a really good message and go home and abuse my wife and be out of God's will I could preach another good message and abuse my kids and be out of God's will I could be a charismatic leader and get a lot of things done for the kingdom of God and not pay my bills And still be out of God's will because you see my character and my integrity are signs along my life's road that say who I am. My character and my integrity comes out of who I am. Right? Why do you want to be good? Why do you want to quit doing this? Why do you want to live holy and pure and sanctified? Not because you're trying to or it's a good idea because of who you are. That's where it comes from, right? Right? It comes from who you are. I'm God's kid. God's more concerned with the who before the do. So how does this apply to you today? Should I date this person or not? It doesn't matter who. Date the person with integrity serving Jesus. Do what God calls you to do as you're dating this person. Worry about who you are. Be the right who. Should I stay in this job or should I take another job somewhere else? It doesn't matter where you are. Be a faithful Jesus follower right there. You see, for too long and for too many times, we focus on this grandiose picture of where we're going to end up one day, this divine destination, and we forget all about the direction to get there. When God never said focus so much on the end that you forget about where you are. Right. Focus on the here and now we get too tied up in the questions. Well, am I supposed to do this? And am I supposed to do that? Well, what if I do this? Is this outside of God's will? And we'll get twisted in a knot. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Well, where do steps take you? in a certain direction right he cares about the who before the do should i major in business or elementary education whatever you major in make sure you're serving jesus there before you think about the do in the future think about the who in the present number two god's will is why before what so God's God's will is the he God. God's concerned about the who before the do his will is the why before the what Proverbs sixteen two says people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Listen to me motives matter to God. Why do you do what you do is important to God. Why do I pastor it's important to God. I had to actually check that when I was preparing this message because I was going, man, is my heart right? Are my motives right? Because it's amazing to me how we have this unbelievable ability to deceive ourselves, right? I mean, we we get mad when other people deceive us, but we never get mad at ourselves for deceiving ourselves. I'll get twisted up in my thinking sometimes and think that I got it all and I'm a bag of chips and I'm all this good and everything's fine. When the whole time I'm a wreck, I'm a mess, I'm everything else. I'll deceive myself, right? The heart is deceitful above all things. Matters, mo- motives matter to God. I've got three kids. The one that's not the oldest has this art form of buttering me up. I'm not going to say her name. It's almost like a spiritual gift. (laughs) Almost. And and the, the sad truth that I realized this morning is that she's winning. And the more or the closer my older ones get to leaving the house, the more influence this other kid of mine has over me because I'm thinking I'm losing these, so I better hang on. And so she's working the system. So she'll say things like, hey, Dad, Dad. Hey dad, she wanted a hamster a while back. Wore me out about a rat. Okay. It's a rat. Hey dad. Dad, can I get a hamster? No, we're not having rats in the house. Hey dad. A couple weeks by. Hey dad. You know I love you, dad. You're the greatest dad ever. Can I have a hamster? No. Hey dad. Your beard looks good today. You can have the hamster. They they all three come home with a hamster. I told one they could have a hamster. Now I got three rats in my house. Motives matter to God and they matter to daddy. But we can deceive ourselves because sometimes we think our motives are right But they're really not. Psalms 139, verse 23 to 24. By the way, you should pray this verse over you, over yourself. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Watch this. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. When's the last time you prayed that prayer? Lord, search my heart. Show me, point out anything that is offensive to you. You see, that's self-growth right there. That's self-evaluation. And I don't believe Christians do enough of that. We wait for some preacher to say something that's going to prick our heart when the whole time we should be sitting in our quiet time saying, Lord, examine my heart. It's your heart. Ask him to examine it. Point out anything that needs to come out. Is there unforgiveness in my heart? Is there bitterness in my heart? Is there selfishness? In my heart, show me, Lord, because I want to walk the path of everlasting. Amen. Motives matter to God. The why. Comes before the what. If I'm honest with God and honest with you this morning, I'm I'm surprised at myself sometimes when I realize what my motives are. You know, sometimes we'll we'll be nice to people when we want something from them. Come on, get honest with me this morning. You want your wife to let you buy something, you come in the house with a big old smile on your face. Hey, girl, jeans looking good today. You lost a little weight. Your hair looks right. Seriously, we'll do things to get things from other people because our motives are wrong. You realize it's almost impossible to get to the right place with the wrong motives. It's almost impossible to end up in the right destination when you start with the wrong motives. The why really matters to God. Examine your motives. So let me show you how this works. You're going to buy a car. Why? Why do you want to buy that car? Is it because you can afford it and you want reliable transportation? That's a good reason. Or is it because you're trying to make a statement that you can't afford If you're complimenting someone, is it because you're sincere or because you want them to think better of you? If you're posting that photo, is it because you want to share something meaningful or because you want everyone to look at you? Ooh, look at her. Look at him. He's been working out, he's showing off his muscles. What's the motive? What's the motive? Why do you do what you do? Why before what? Who before do? Colossians 3.17 says this. I love this verse. It says, and whatever. Look at your neighbor and say, whatever. No, you got to have a little more attitude. Say, whatever. Whatever, whatever you do or say, do it as a, represent, as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So whatever you do, wherever you are, serve Christ there whatever i almost hear the scripture like we're so tied up in what we're supposed to do it's almost like all of heaven's going whatever just whatever you do serve jesus there if you're cooking french fries at mcdonald's cook the best fries that have ever been cooked at mcdonald's and serve jesus there and one day you might flip burgers Well, be the best burger cooker there ever was and serve Jesus there. And one day you might own a couple of franchises. But serve Jesus where you are faithfully. That everything that you do bring praise to him. You're a representative of him. You might say, well, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm up to my neck in laundry and poop. Listen to me. Wash that laundry and clean that poop. For the glory of Jesus. May you have the best laundry and the cleanest baby butt crack there ever was. For the glory of Jesus. It's a a grand opportunity to disciple your children. You serve Jesus where you are. Stop looking way out there for this lofty goal. And stay right here and take the step that he wants you to take next. I'm going to serve him here. And I'm going to serve Him here so good that He's going to push me to here because He's determining my steps, not me. So I'm going to serve Him here until He pushes me there. Why? Because I'm going in a divine direction. I'm not so focused on the destination that I forget about the direction. Who matters before do? Why matters before what? Amen? It matters to God, whatever you do. Isn't that freeing? That should free you up this morning. It just says, man, whatever I do. You need a job? Listen to me. Go find one. (laughs) Somebody back there needs a job. (laughs) Go find a job. And whatever job you get, serve Jesus right there. Serve Him right there. Sometimes we th- say things like this. I'm just a student, but one day I'm going to be a missionary and do something big. Listen to me. Serve Jesus where you are now. Be a missionary in your biology class right where you are. Be faithful where you are. Too many times we look at people that are successful and we think, man, they made a few good decisions that got them to where they were. That's incorrect. It was thousands of decisions every day that got them to where they were. You're the culmination of all the decisions that you've made so far. And your future you will be the culmination of the decisions you make from today going forward. It's a thousand decisions of dying to self. Giving up on this. Choosing not to do that, choosing to step into this, choosing to go this direction, choosing to listen to God instead of listening to myself. Right? You want a better destination? Make better decisions today. But make them out of who you are and why you need to make them. Amen? Make them for the right reasons. Who before do? Why? Before what? You see, I have an uncle. He's gone on to be with the Lord and he's, 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 he impressed my life. He, I'm, I'm kind of the result of who he was. He had an impression on me. He was uh, years ago worked in the oil field for Texaco, made some of that real Texaco money back in the day, like real money. And he was frugal and all those things, and, but he wasn't serving God until he retired. And one day God got a hold of his heart. And I'll say he spent the last 20 to 25 years of his life were the best years of his life. And I grew up with him or around him a lot. And I would watch him, And he made an impression on me, not because of what he did, but because of who he was. You see, my uncle knew who he was. He knew who he used to be before he met Jesus. And then he realized who he is now, that he's given his life to Jesus. And it changed his what, and it changed what he did. He he realized why he was on the planet now. It was sad that he didn't learn it till he was probably 50, late 50s, 60s, but he did learn it and he did discover the who and the why and it motivated who he was. And he had an impression on my life because of who he was and why he did what he did. Because he realized that there was a very high price paid for me. And because that high price was paid for me, I'm important He understood who he was. He was a child of God. And he understood why he was supposed to go do what was burning in his heart to do. It was because it mattered to God that he reached other people. And so I would watch him year after year. He was so generous with his resources. He would give. The church would come up short. He would meet the the lack and he would... Constantly giving. He'd come around for Christmas. We we thought he was like Santa Claus. He had a twenty dollar bill for all the grandkids. And you know he, that's not why I liked him, but it, it was it helped. And 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 but he, he just constantly he would ride around, and his, this brother had money, but he'd ride around old oh, broke down Volkswagen car. Half the time he had a push mower hanging out the back, and he would spend all day driving around Franklin forcing a blessing on people. He'd wait till they go to work and they would come home and the Lord would lead him to somebody's house and their grass would be cut. How many of you would take that right now? Come on. Say so you get home from church and the yard's blinged out and you could take a nap. <laughs> He would go and he had a tractor and he would grade people's driveways or if they were doing some dirt work, he would do that. And he, would, he was just constantly going out, being the hands and feet of God because he knew who he was and he knew why he was supposed to do what he was supposed to do. And he never wanted glory for any of it. He wasn't a Bible thumper. He wasn't a Bible scholar. But he lived more word than I could ever try to imagine. He lived it. He simply understood who he was. And why he was here. Now I've come to about the halfway point in my life. I'm 43. So if I live another 43 years, you do the math, I've be put me at 86. Just check my math. Am I right? Yeah, 86. Pretty simple. I'm about at the halfway point of my life. I've got just as many days behind me as I do in front of me. Can I tell you I'm starting to think different? I'm starting to see differently. Decisions matter more than they ever did before. It's like when you're 20, you can make a dumb decision and have plenty of time to recover from it. When you get in your 40s, you're like, man, this is going to hurt for a long time. (laughs) Right? Let me tell you what's going to happen one day. One day I'm going to pass away. I'm hoping it's in a bed somewhere. I'm hoping I'm holding Cheryl's hand because I can't manage without her. And let me tell you what we're not going to talk about. We're not going to talk about churches we planted, businesses we started, all the things that we did, all of our public stuff. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how we were faithful to one another for 60 plus years. We're going to talk about how we helped our kids understand who they are. We're going to talk about the things that really matter. Are you with me? We're going to talk about how our goal was to be faithful to Jesus every day. Some days we got it right. Some days we didn't. That's what we're going to talk about. Think about Jesus. Think about this. Think about Jesus came for the people he loved who turned around and rejected him and bruised him and beat him and all those other things to the point where the Bible says he didn't even look like a human anymore. He came for all, for all of us and we turned on him. Why did he go to the end? How did he make it to the end? How did he make it to his destination? Why didn't he call down the angels and go, poof, splat, take care of everything? Why didn't he do that? Because he understood who he was and why he was here. How did he get from the garden to the grave? Because of who he was. And because of why he was here. It's the who that gets you to the end. It's the why that makes you get it right along the way. Are you seeing this? Jesus went all the way to the cross because he was the son of God. God's solution for our sin problem. That's who he was. He was the one who came to set the captives free. That's who he was. He was the savior of the world. And he came from the garden to the grave because of who he was. There was nobody else that could do what Jesus did. And I want to say to you today, there's nobody else that can do what God wants you to do when you start to understand who you are and how important you are. You're valuable so much so that Jesus died on the cross for you. And he knew why his motive was right. What got him to the grave was when he saw your face surrendered, set free, cleansed of your sin in eternity with him. The why mattered. That's what got him through the abuse, the beatings, the, the, the slander, all those things, all the way to the cross is he understood who he was and why he was here. The Bible says that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Listen to me, God didn't come to be served, but to serve. He came to serve others. Everything that God will ever want you to do has others attached to it. It's not about the paycheck. It's not about the position. It's not about the title. It's about the people that are there. It's about the people. He didn't come to be served, He came to serve. And He laid His life down for every one of us because of who He was and why He was here. It matters. It matters. I'm saved because Jesus knew who he was and why he was here. When you want to do something big in the future, be who God's called you to be today. You know, when you look at the teachings of Jesus, there's not much about career. It's not much about your career at all. You ever find that kind of funny in the Bible that it doesn't tell you, well, you need to be this and you need to be that. You need to go to college. No, knucklehead, you're not ready for college. The Bible never says that. What does it talk about mostly? People. Love God, love people. Why are we on this planet? For others. For others. You were an other once. Thank God somebody knew who they were and why they were here because they shared the love of God with you and brought you from an other to a son or a daughter. You see in this? It's important, it matters. Two last things, you might want to write these down. If you're becoming the right who, God will help you choose the right do. If you're becoming the right who, God will help you choose the right do. If you're driven by the right why, God will lead you to the right what? Don't worry about the future Focus on what's right in front of you. Don't freak out about what's coming down the road. Take care of what's right here in front of you. Serve Jesus where you are today. Stop worrying about what's out there. It's called divine direction. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines each one of his steps if we'll let him if we'll let him determine our steps.